Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and this is one of those days where we're just happy to be here. Um, I am actually just returning to the city myself. Uh, I had to fly out to Portland last week and I'll give a speech. I did a presentation at the Child Abuse and Family Violence Conference in Portland, Oregon. It was an amazing experience. I actually got the opportunity to speak to a lot of people that I normally wouldn't have, um, especially a lot of officers. A lot of officers were there and present. And I got to learn about different uh, career fields in law enforcement, especially forensic uh, artistry. I had no idea. Thought that that was amazing. And then, you know, to interact with social workers and different uh, people who, who work in the, the field, actually protecting our most vulnerable youth. You know, I always say we uh, it's our responsibility to give a voice to the voiceless and hope to the hopeless. And um, got back in this morning. But while I was there in Portland, had the opportunity to go and visit Nike's campus. Uh, also to um, to visit with my grandmother, who is 92 years old and still very, very sharp. So that was an amazing uh, opportunity and experience to be uh, with her. And then also I got to celebrate my younger cousin, Shay, his birthday. Shay turned eight. And so that was really cool to be there and go to, I think the place was called Super Play and it was laser tag and all types of arcade video games and bowling and stuff like that. So, you know, being a part of his life and I got him this book that he needed to read felt, you know, that he's really into reading right now. So got him a book and just spent time with the fam and it was definitely good and refreshing. I got to go to Mount Noma Falls, which is like this huge waterfall in Portland and you know, just experiencing nature because here in the city, you don't really get the opportunity to see all of that uh, greenery. I would say you got to go a bit upstate or out of the city to do so. So definitely good. Um, and speaking of being here today and being able to to make some time uh, to be here, I want to introduce uh, our guest who is actually a modern day renaissance man. I had the opportunity to meet him at NYU at a small conference that we did we were both speakers there but i had no idea of the magnitude of this guy and i'm sitting here reading and researching and taking in all of this information about it i'm like man dude you are i want to be like you <laughs> you know and i mean he has five ivy league degrees um including a phd in astrophysics and an mba uh, he has helped build an x-ray observational satellite for the european space agency and nasa He's been to North Korea several times, um, you know, which is very rare. He's earned praise as the best and brightest by Esquire magazine's genius issue. Uh, been coined as an astrophysicist turned new media whiz and so on and so forth. I can't say enough about this guy and his accolades. Oh, he's also swam across the Hudson, which we discussed a little earlier because I was kind of like, how do you get clean after that? And he was like, hey, I haven't died yet. I'm. You know, I'm still maintaining and he's done over 90,000 burpees 
completed six marathons, competed at the world national level for ultimate Frisbee. And of course is a successful, successful artist. You heard that of course, because why not beautiful people? This is Josh Spodek. Josh, please say hello to the create your life family. Hello to all the create your life family. Glad to be here. It's uh, you know, you, that was compressing decades of a life, <laughs> right? I, I like how you started by saying I had to go to Portland to see family, help others be helped, see these corporate headquarters, like, had to go it sounded pretty good yeah no i mean you know it's it's a must you know sometimes you have those things in life where it's like you know you you must do this in order to make a difference and follow your true purpose and you i feel like are one person by reading all of these things is that really uh goes after your true purpose and you do the things that you feel like you have to do yeah i've I've always felt like i've never felt i had to go out and started a company and work until i got the gold watch after 50 years that was yeah. never I never felt compelled to do that. And, you know, I, after business school, when I, when I got my MBA, like mm-hmm. the, the, the standard practice of people when they finish business school is get the highest paying job you possibly can. Absolutely. And that was never really interesting to me. Like with a PhD in physics and a, an MBA, you could work at any bank, right? Right. You do finance stuff and make a lot of money. But I really wasn't interested in that. To me, it was about I, I, what do I need to, what, what's the minimum I need to do to make sure that I, you know, pay my bills, buy food. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the time is my own to do what I want. I've always lived that way that, you know, I want to cover my base. You know, I never want someone chasing me for money. I I never want to have an unpaid bill. Right. But then past that, it's how I want to live my life. So, yeah, like when my friend uh, told me about North Korea, uh, Jordan Harbinger, great guy. Okay. uh, He just emails me and he says, we're going to North Korea. I'm sorry. He emailed me about that and we were talking about it on the phone. And so he says to me, do you want to go? Mm -hmm. And in my head, what I'm thinking is, I don't have time. I don't have money. This doesn't fit in my life whatsoever. Right. And out of my lips comes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I just, you know, between then and the time, I just had to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Which, you know, it's just saving a little money and putting things off and making it work. But, you know, North Korea, it's, not everyone gets to go. Or everyone can go. It's actually remarkably easy to go. Oh, well, you will definitely have to tell us more about that. I mean, I, Josh, I want to rewind. Uh-huh. I want to go back to these five degrees from Columbia University. Dude, how... And why, you know, did, would you go to, why would you need or do you, did you go for the five degrees? There's so many. And what are they? Okay. So, I mean, I went there for college undergrad. So okay. that's your college degree that a lot of people have. Originally from Philly. Yeah. Originally from Philly. And uh, for, for my, for my 10th birthday, my dad took me to New York City. That was like the trip. Nice. Took my older sister when she turned 10, my younger sister when she turned 10, that was like the, the ten, turning 10 thing. Rites of passage. Yeah. So, you know, picture like this is the early... 80s so we're looking at uh, a cd times square yeah and you know dirty and all but something about that was like this is where i want to be yeah and so i went here for college and in college is when i got over these concerns of being you know in high school i was picked on for being nerdy Mm -hmm. and but then i was like you know what i like physics i love physics and i don't care about the social stigma attached to being a real nerd Mm -hmm. it's what i want to do and if you to practice in physics you Graduate school is what you do. That's that's what you do. Absolutely. I mean, I guess you could. I guess I could go off and do some stuff on your, but it seemed natural to do that. Right. So now, when you get a PhD, you get a master's first. Right. And then at Columbia, you get this mystery degree called an MPhil, a Master of Philosophy. Okay. That's just it's in between. Mm-hmm. So that one degree actually is three degrees. So I got a, a master's, an MPhil, and a PhD. Right. And and the bachelor's. And, and the bachelor's. So now we're at four. Right. Then. 
and then I didn't want to keep doing, I didn't, I love physics, but not the practice of physics mm -hmm. being, uh, actually by this time I'd gotten over the social stuff, but it was like, it was just like a lot of debugging mm -hmm. and it wasn't like the physics that I heard about. So, uh, and then some friends of mine were talking about starting a company and, yeah. uh, and so I got caught up in entrepreneurship and, and we started a company together. Yeah. Uh, got squeezed out. Ultimately, I mean, we did well for a while, but then the recession, I didn't have any, I didn't have skills, experience in business. So I went back to get an MBA. So that was number five. Okay. Well, I want to touch on that uh, right in, in between there. You said that you got squeezed out because you didn't have the skills of business? I mean, ultimately because the company was running out of money. But that, right. that's like the symptom. That's not the cause. The cause mm -hmm. was, well, I mean, it was post 9 11. Right. Uh, the, the internet bubble burst. We were in a recession. So mm -hmm. we didn't have enough money to make it to profitability. And the investor said, we'll put the last bit of money in, but we're going to put in someone else to be CEO. So it was either sign the agreement and someone else would be CEO. I'd lose a lot of equity, but the company would stay alive. Or I, the alternative was not sign, and then the company would have just run out of money. I didn't know what else to do otherwise. Right. Okay. So you made the decision to move out in order to uh, let the company, your baby, uh, sustain. Yeah, I mean that's not how I felt at the time. I didn't feel like I, I didn't feel like I had much of a choice. Right. I mean, I guess I could have a bankruptcy on my on my background. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, the company it, it did survive. I mean, one of the reasons I'm more comfortable talking about it now is that it did survive. It is still going. Uh, you know, later on, I spent a year in, in Shanghai to help develop the second generation of displays, which went wow. up in Nanjing. And the name of the company is Submedia. Submedia. Yeah. Right. Like and Subway Media. Yeah. Right. And you guys did. So we. Oh, so the. Um, it was an, I had this idea for an invention, and mm -hmm. ultimately what we did was we put boxes on the walls of subway tunnels. Yeah. The tunnels, not the station. Mm -hmm. And when the train's going between stations, if you look outside the window, it looks like there's a movie screen outside the subway car window. That is awesome. So if you go to joshuaspodak.com slash press and search, you'll see that there's videos of, of the displays in action, and we got like a lot of press at the time. Yeah. Oh, well, wow, man. That's awesome. And so you, you move through this, this hard time. How did you stay motivated, you know, being squeezed out? You go back to get your MBA. Like, how do you stay motivated in that time? How did you? Oh, man, I'll, I'll tell you, after getting squeezed out, the, uh, they, the next management team moved offices and didn't give me a key to the new office. So I was, like, locked out of oh. my own, the company that I, I founded. So that was really harsh. Mm. I mean, that was a very, that was a very, you know, people in the entrepreneurial world, they're like, fail, fail often, fail hard, fail fast. It's like, fail, fail, fail. I don't know how many people who talk like that went through an experience like that. Right. I mean, it is, I, I will grant it is that's one of the greatest learning experiences of my life. But I would not wish it on people that I hated to go through that. It's kind of Steve Jobs-ish when he got squeezed out of Apple the first time. Right. I, I'll take that as a compliment. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm saying that in, in terms of a compliment because he, you know, extremely smart man, uh, brilliant and had the ability to empower others and to help. You know, something like similar what you're doing with Spodek Academy where you're, you know, helping people to become their best leadership wise. Yeah, I right? always knew I would be, actually, in, despite the, the difficulty of that process, I knew that I would be starting companies again. Mm -hmm. That's what business school is for, was to develop the skills to keep building companies. So after that, what motivated me? Mm -hmm. I had a mortgage. Right. I was hungry. I mean, <laughs> I, I had to pay my bills. The necessities. So, yeah, I, I, in a perfect world, or I don't know, in, in a magical world, maybe I could have, I would have liked to have had time to recover, mm -hmm. but I didn't. And so I had to, and, and then it turned out that a friend of mine was working at a company that was, that was hiring. Yeah. And uh, so I wasn't not working for very long. And right. 
So that was of, uh, I'm 45, soon to be 46, and for two years, I had a nine to five job. That's like the whole nine to five of my life was those two years. Right. And I made, actually I made the most money then, but uh, ultimately it was like, the longer I worked there, the more I realized that I really had to have a greater sense of ownership of what I was doing. Mm. Now, at the time I thought ownership meant I had to own the company. Yeah. But now I realize that that's, that's I mean, in that case, uh, I had ideas for companies I wanted to start that would have been, um, that I had to start on my own. Mm -hmm. But you know, ownership, doesn't have to come from starting your own company. Right. That's very true. That's very true. And you said something that I think is very important. Uh, you said that you reached out to a friend and you got employment at a time where you were unemployed. How important uh, do you feel peer group is and what does your peer group look like now today? Now it's, uh, so how important, I mean, that, to me, that is what business has been, has transformed in my view mm -hmm. from like a cold, um, heartless place that was all about making money to uh, it's about relationships mm -hmm. and my, the business follows the relationships for me now yeah so I mean I have my my friends that have stuck with me through that we've been friends for a, lo a long long time right right but you said peers not just friends or family right so I have to say that in the past I've, I've in the past year mm -hmm. since I, not quite year since I've started getting into the marketing of my book Mm -hmm. is when I've, I've really put effort into putting my material out there. Yeah. And in the past couple months, like this, since about January, mm -hmm. I've done a lot of podcasts. Right. And, you know, in my book, is, there's this exercise, Authentic Voice. Is, it's, it's an exercise that gives, it, it gives you the skills, if you practice, yeah. that will get your voice more and more authentic. And for most people, most of the students who take my class, they're starting from scratch because mm -hmm. they haven't really been very authentic. They haven't been able to speak it's always been very filtered. Right. So I've been practicing. Now, at the beginning, I had, I was very uh, inhibited mm -hmm. in my speech. Right. In my communication in general. Absolutely. And so I practice and practice, and I think I'm, I'm more open now. I think I'm more candid. But speaking in public, you, little problems, little nuances of, of things that you hold back, I think get magnified. And so I've been using this, this the past few months to, as a, as a way of, Practicing authentic voice at, an, at the next level. I, okay. I don't know how well I'm succeeding compared to others, but compared to myself in the past, it's really far out there. And and I have to say that the people I in, that we do the interviews with mm -hmm. are becoming friends. Yeah. Like fast. Yeah. I never had that before. It, like to work with people, and I I love love this type of interaction. Yeah. Where it puts you it puts yourself out there, and I'm developing faster than I ever did before. Mm. So. What are some of the skills to uh, to making sure that you're using your authentic voice? Well, practice, practice, practice. I mean, it's if if you don't practice, it's like any skill. If you practice at it, you will improve. If you don't, you won't. Right. So, I mean, I give you the the book says like step by step what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it'd be yeah. Can you share a couple of the tips of, of step by step? Maybe like the first two, maybe on what to do in order to start using your uh, using your your authentic voice. Yeah, uh, I'll have to give it some context. Okay. So because the, the book is a set of exercises, and I designed it so that each exercise builds on the one before. And the name of the book is Leadership Step-by-Step. Step. You know, you become the person, like, yeah. you know, others follow. Yeah. And this book recently came out last month, correct? Uh, February 16th. Is February 16th, okay. And so, oh yeah, so wait. And this is not your first book. This is my first with a publisher. Right. I self-published ones before. Right. And with that process of going through the editing and the book proposal mm -hmm. adds a lot. I mean, yeah. to have professionals work on it helps a lot. How long 
and the to answer your question before about the exercise mm -hmm. so you know i designed it so that each exercise leads to the next so there's no big jumps because mm -hmm. big jumps is where like here you learn this skill and then oh there's this big skill after that that's where the anxiety comes in and i want people to learn without too much anxiety so earlier on in the one of the first exercises in the book is the inner monologue exercise where mm -hmm. it's to for a week carry with you you know something to write on and something to write with mm -hmm. and three or four times a day write down that you know that voice inside your head yeah write down word for word a couple sentences of what's going on in your head so most people let's see, if i ask you what, what's what do you think you're right now what am i thinking about? sorry I'm, to put you on the spot on the radio yeah that, i'm i'm actually i'm listening to you and i'm wondering i'm actually wondering what are you going to say next you okay. know, I'm trying to understand this process. So your answer is what almost everybody answers, which is I would say that's what you were thinking about. Mm -hmm. What you're actually thinking was probably something more like, oh, wait, he wants me to say something. He wants me to say what I'm thinking. What am I thinking? I'm not sure exactly what I'm thinking. I get, am I supposed to say this? Like words like that. Mm -hmm. And most people, even though that's what's in their heads, they don't really have direct access to that. Yeah. I mean, they can kind of tell. Anyway, so you write it out. The first couple of days... You can't do it because you're drinking from a fire hose. It's just way too much right, to process. Right. But then you get the hang of it. And you capture a, a nugget of thought, and then you write that down as your mind is already moving on to something else. Mm -hmm. All right, so after a week of that, you get practiced at it. And you start realizing lots of things about yourself. I, in my blog, the post about that exercise, I call it the most effective self-awareness exercise that I know mm. because it is right. the w most effective self-awareness exercise that I know. All right, so you practice that exercise for a week. There are a couple others that build on that. And then the authentic voice exercise is now that you've, you're more aware of that voice, it's to speak that voice. Now, that voice, as far as I can tell, it's going on all the time, every waking moment of your life. So you always have direct access to that. And to just say what's in your voice, to say that comes off very authentic. And if you just say it, all right, it takes a lot of practice. And yeah. most people, I tell them the first couple times you do it, if you have to go into a room by yourself and just you know, talk to the wall, do that at first, but then work up to a mirror and then work up to a camera. And then eventually by the end of the week, work up to talking to people yeah. direct. And invariably people come back with, I never realized I could say the things that I said. And the more that I, the more that I did it, the more I could do it. Right. And the big things that they are surprised by how authentically people respond back. Mm. So people have, I mean, there's like a, a long quote in the book about one of my students. And she just wrote about how it was, she was a college student. She was on spring break and she was, she starts talking to these friends that she's known since high school. Yeah. And they start talking about things they've never talked about before. Naturally. It just flows. Yeah. And so that's what... And then once you start it, you want to keep doing it. So it started for her. She was driving. And she thought everyone was asleep in the car. Yeah. And, you know, when you're driving, you're like, hmm, I wonder if I should shift lanes. What's, what's that car doing? Is it going to turn left or not? Why is its blinker on? And, you know, she's talking like that. Right. And I guess the, her friends are like, well... And then you start talking and it just starts flowing. Right, right. Would you think? Would you say that that's something like small talk, or is it, you small know, talk, just honest talks right there? In the, I mean, honest thoughts. Yeah, right it's not small talk. Small talk is like, where are you from? How many brothers and sisters do you have? Where did you go to school? What was your major? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That is designed to not go to vulnerabilities. Mm. And okay, that's fine. You won't get any fights. Mm -hmm. You won't get any arguments like you would if you talked about politics or right, religion right, or something right. like that. But the reason it doesn't get any vulnerability, the, the side effect of it not getting any vulnerabilities, it doesn't get to what people care about. Right. I mean, people are hoping that, oh, we're both from the same town. Oh, did you know this place? Did you know that place? Yeah, absolutely. Share experiences. You hope for ground. that. You're, it's like hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. This is really much more, 
you know who speaks this way? Mm-hmm. Celebrities and people with high status. They just say what's on their mind. Right. And people listening find it in, in engaging. Mm-hmm. And because when you hear someone else speaking this way, mm-hmm. something inside you is like, hey, my mind works just like that. But I can't do that. They can. Mm-hmm. They, must be, they must be more open than me. Right. And then you can hear them jump from one topic to the other. And, and you, you're kind of like, oh, I wonder how that, like you're, you're trying to follow it. And so the person speaking that way becomes the leader in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. And so I've I've read something that you uh, that you said about I want to go back to the to the peers. You uh-huh. said that in New York, when you were an undergrad, your peer group looked like undergrad when you were you know, yeah. doing art. Walk us through those steps and those, those transitions of, of mean, peer group and evolution of Josh. So, I mean, I, I really love New York City. And what, the quote you're talking about, if I, if I if I got the right one, mm-hmm. is that. When I was a student, New York was a student town. Right. When I was an athlete, it's an athlete town. When I'm an art- artist, it's an art town. Right now, with my eating, I'm, get, I'm getting really into like cooking fresh fruits and vegetables from scratch, and I go to the farmers markets. Yeah. I feel like it's like a food town, mm-hmm. but not. I'm not into the restaurants. The re- like it's cooking from scratch. Anyway, okay. No, and, and that's that's something that's very interesting to me because I saw that you have this level of discipline. You don't eat at restaurants anymore. I, it's not I'm opposed to it, but they're disappointing. They're they. They're covering up the goodness of the food with sauces, and they're giving you like three quarters of a plate of rice and, and pasta. Mm-hmm. But I don't want rice and pasta. I want vegetables. Right, because you're uh, vegetarian. Yeah. I mean, okay, even if I, if I eat meat, I'd still want the meat. I wouldn't want all this filler. Right. And they make a nice decor, mm-hmm. and they, they, they put all these rich sauces, rich meaning you know fat, sugar, and salt. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I want. And right. so cooking at home, I go to the Union, like yesterday, I go to the Union Square Food Market, and I pick up, what did I get? I got... Uh, parsnips, uh, onion, cabbage, uh, kohlrabi, um, all these things I never bought ever before. I didn't even know what uh, I didn't know what kohlrabi was. I didn't know what like root yeah, things what is were. That? Oh my god! I can't keep it in the house. It's like a, a, a kohlrabi is this. It's it's it looks like a root vegetable. I think it grows above the ground. Okay, and it's kind of like celery root, and it's it's a crisp vegetable. Mm-hmm. I kind of eat it like an apple. It's 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 got a sweetness to it, and Robbie. Yeah, it's uh, and it's so delicious. And the thing is that I wouldn't have thought it was delicious before when I was eating lots of potato chips and, and, and ice cream because mm-hmm. the, the flavor is very subtle mm-hmm. and, and nuanced. And yeah. if you're used to Ben and Jerry's where it's just overwhelmingly sweet, right. then you don't get that. Mm-hmm. Now, if I ate ice cream, I'd be like, I haven't eaten ice cream in a long time. What, what was the inspiration behind your diet change? Oh man, there's been a lot of changes. If you go way back in 1990s, when I stopped eating meat for the first time, if, if for the la- that's the last time I ate meat. Uh, over the years, then it was I cut out um, uh, corn syrup, and I cut out um, uh, what else? High fructose oil. No, I'm sorry, uh, hydrogenated oil. And in the past couple of years, I noticed that a lot of my garbage was food. And so I gave myself this challenge. I, I love these little challenges. That I Your gave garbage was food, meaning that you were throwing away a lot of food or the wrappers from the food? Or yeah, most it? of my garbage came from food. Okay. Probably most of your garbage comes from look, Walk down the street and look at what's in the trash. It's mostly food stuff. Hmm. So I gave myself this little challenge. For one week, buy no food where I had to throw away packaging afterward. How, what does that look like? How do you do that? It looks like fruits and vegetables. Okay. I, how, okay, so how I did it was for, I was like, for months I was thinking... How am I going to do this? I was going to plan out a week. Mm-hmm. And months were going by and I wasn't doing it. I said, fuck it. I, oops, sorry, I'm on the radio. <laughs> uh, and I was like, darn. 
so I just said, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And if I don't make it the full week, I don't, I'll go as long as I can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I made it two and a half weeks and I didn't know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just, I, I figured I wasn't going to die. Yeah. I figured I could make it a week and, and it just, you end up, I would go to the parts of the store where I'd buy stuff and I was like, Oh wait, I can't get this. What can mm -hmm. I get? I have to go over to the fresh fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And I would just eat, I just ate a ton of vegetables and a ton of fruit. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and, um, uh, there's a bulk food store near me. So I got a lot of beans and lentils and, and um, split peas and stuff like that. So I could cook them. I cooked them originally in the rice cooker, but then I got a pressure cooker. Okay. Pressure cooker cooks beans in like 10 minutes. It's, it's amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, come over. I'll cook you dinner sometime. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely, fact, I want to learn. I'll do you one better. We'll do it on a Saturday and we'll meet in Union Square and we'll get the vegetables from the farm's market. I'm game for that. All right. I am absolutely game for that. Yeah, we're on for that, Josh. I was just admiring your discipline, right, to go, you know, to give yourself that two-week challenge or that one-week challenge where you could actually decide that you were going to eat foods that you didn't have to throw away the trash afterwards. Yeah. Actually, I had been trying to plan it for a long time, and it mm -hmm. wasn't happening. And there's yeah. so many things in life yeah. that if you plan, you can plan forever right. and never do it. Got to take action. Yeah. And, like, people ask me, how do you swim across Hudson River? And it took me a long time to get to the answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. You get in the water and start <laughs> swimming. Right. It's Jump that in. easy. So and it's just the mindset. Speaking of mindset, actually, you know what? You said something that I thought was really cool. So you've done over 90,000 burpees yeah. now over the span of how many years? I started in December 2011. Wow. Earlier you said burpees don't take discipline. It makes discipline. Yeah. So that's speaking directly to what you're saying about, you know, mindset and taking action. Yeah, it's, it's what I was saying before about what I was learning from these podcasts. Is mm -hmm. I didn't really think about it. And people kept saying, you must have a lot of discipline. And I was like, something was wrong about that. It didn't mm -hmm. sit right with me because I'm no more or less human than anybody. I'm just as human. I have the same motivational system, same emotional system as anybody else. Right. And I, it's not that I had any special discipline. It's that doing the burpees, doing something every day that's challenging will develop discipline in you. Like I said before, if... When I was young, I used to see people, I used to see like guys with big muscles going into the gym. Right. And I would think, I wish I had big muscles so I could go to the gym too. Mm -hmm. Totally backward. Mm -hmm. They didn't, they were just as weak as me before they went into the gym. Right. And it was going to the gym is what built the muscles. And the doing the burpees is what developed the discipline. It, not having muscles is not a reason not to go to the gym. That's a reason to go to the gym. If it's something that you want, I, I, I'm in total agreement with you. I think that also, you know, the consistency, it builds up the confidence. Yeah. So, you know, you have to start with that idea and then you start and then, but there has to be something there that helps you to keep going. Cause now you're what, six years in something like that. Yeah. You're right. Right. You're over six years in this year. You'll hit a hundred thousand burpees. Yeah. Right. I mean, are you, I feel like you could be in a Guinness book right now, <laughs> you know, for Actually, there's a guy that got contacted me uh -huh. and he's going for, he wants to do a million before he dies. So he's doing something like a hundred a day. Wow. And, and I'm like, he's younger than me. So I'm like, all right, I, I can't, I, I could do <laughs> like, the most I've done in a day was 370. And, and uh, th there's this guy in, in England who he's, he did a burpee ladder, like one on day one, two on day two, three on day three. And he tried to get a bunch of people to do like a, a hundred day burpee ladder, meaning right. you know, on day hundred well, to hundred. Yeah. And when he hit hundred, he was like, you know, I'm going for the full year. And I think, I think everyone else dropped out at that point, but he did that. Wow. So that meant he did, he did 365 in one day. Mm -hmm. And the day before he did 364. Like that's a lot. That is a whole lot. And burpees are not easy. Like burpees, yeah. you know, those are, they, they challenge the body. Yeah. You know, but I would say mind over matter. 
at this point. And then at that point, you've been training for a period of time, you know, doing it every single day on day 50, on day 20 and stuff like that. So your body's getting used to it and conditioning. Yeah. Now, in addition to your burpees, I kind of have I have some insight into your uh, daily schedule secretly. Oh, so I, I got to say one thing. Yep. If someone see, if someone doesn't have discipline, that's a reason to do it, not right. not to do it. So if you think, oh, he has discipline, I don't. That's a reason to do it, not a reason not to do it. So start. You, it's almost as if, you know what I mean, you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. Yeah. Absolutely. So you've been writing a blog post every day, sometimes two since December 2011 as well. Yeah. So you started these two that, habits oh, that around was the same January part? January 2011. That one I started first. Okay. And that one, you know, I, I, I stumbled into something that the first daily, you know, self-imposed daily challenging healthy activity that I did mm-hmm. was a modest one. I mean, writing in a blog every day is not like trivial. It takes, some of these posts take a couple hours. Right. But it's not as hard as burpees. Mm. So then I got to burpees. And then the third one was cold showers. And that one is like, that's hard. Cold showers. Tell us about this. A guy found my blog, Joel Runyon. Okay. I, I recommend looking him up. So he, uh, he found me and I found his blog and he writes about cold shower therapy. And there's a page where he talks about doing cold showers and I'm reading all the people's responses. And there's like hundreds of responses. I'm like, this is a lot of people. And as I read one, I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Maybe I should do this. And I keep reading, reading all these responses. And people are like losing weight and they like improved relationships and all this. I'm like, what does that have to do with cold showers? So as I'm reading, I'm thinking I should do this. And as, as I'm reading more, I'm like, I should do this soon. And I keep reading more. And finally, I just like, I turned around and walked right in the bathroom, turned on the cold, didn't touch the hot, took my first cold shower. It was December. It was freezing. But it was in <laughs> December in New York. Yeah. And then I said, and when I finished, I was like, I got it. This, like, and by the way, I've not been able to explain the value of a cold shower to someone who doesn't get it. But people who get it, we're all like, brother, like we get it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so I went for 30 days. And then I said, all right, I want to keep doing this, but I can't do it every day. I, I mean, I guess I could, but I, I've chosen not to do it every day. So I do every other day seemed too much. Every, somehow every fourth day seemed like the right amount for me. So every okay. fourth day now. So today, what's today? Today's the, 20, to the 16th. Yes. So that's 16. 16 is four times four. So, yeah, on the 4th, the 8th, the 12th, the 16th, is the, those are the cold shower days. Wow. And how, how, has it, how do you feel rewarded from taking these cold showers? Here's the thing. Do you like it when someone says they're going to do something and then, they, then they're like, oh, sorry, I can't do it? No. Like, I'm going to come to your party not. and then they're like, oh, sorry, I said yes to three things and I can't do your thing. Yeah, like if you didn't show up today, I would have been hurt. Yeah. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, I'll say you're welcome because I, I said that automatically, but it's like I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, it's doing what you say you're going to do. Right. That is the skill that I'm developing. It's, mm-hmm. it's being aware. Like, it fits the pattern of a lot of things, like working out, like doing the things that, that are like, important but non-urgent mm-hmm. is the, here's the pattern it's oh man that's a really good thing i'm going to do that and then as you get closer and closer to it you're like oh man that's harder than i thought and then you start doing it and while you're doing it maybe you're at the gym or maybe you're in the shower you're like wow this is amazing i'm so awesome i'm going to keep doing this and then as soon as it ends you're like that was awesome I'm gonna, i can't wait for the next time and that's the cycle mm-hmm. like i'm going to do this then when you're about to do it, you're like ah oh, that's really scary and then while you're doing it you're like this is awesome and then after you do the cycle begins and cold showers even even more than burpees, they take no extra time, mm-hmm. don't cost anything. Mm-hmm. They, it doesn't. There's no risk of injury. Uh, in fact, it pollutes less because compared to, I mean, you're probably taking a hot shower anyway. Yeah. So you just simply do, don't touch one of the knobs, mm. and you develop skills and abilities that are useful across your whole life. But you have to do it. If, yeah, and when, on a, on a cold winter day, when I take a shower, a hot shower. I can't believe that I do it. <laughs> I mean, it's, but people ask me how I do all these things. I mean, that's, 
that's the answer. Mm. You practice on those things, the other stuff is easy. So how do you keep a balance? Right now you, you're running uh, Spodek Academy. You're teaching at NYU. at NYU, right? And, I mean, you do all of these other cool things. How do you maintain this uh, a balance in your life? What are some of the keys that you use in order to do that? From my perspective, I'm And what is Spodek Academy? I'm sorry. Okay. But so Spodek Academy listeners. Is, is where I offer my courses online to mm -hmm. anyone in the world. Right. So this is the exact same set of exercises using the exact same software that the NYU students do, mm -hmm. except NYU students pay like $6,000 for it. Right. It's not anywhere near that. Right. And, uh, um, and the thing for me, from my perspective, I love teaching in, in a classroom with a couple dozen students in front of me because I can see them develop. Mm -hmm. But it's only a couple dozen per semester. Mm-hmm. Well, there's 7 billion people in the world. I want to be able to make my stuff available to more. Absolutely. So that's why I do Scale it online. Mm -hmm. And so the, the book is, the, is all the same exercises. Mm -hmm. And that's like the, the, the most accessible one. Right. But you have to have a lot of discipline and diligence to do the exercises yourself. Right. When you do it online, there's a, a more immersive experience because there's videos and there's audio. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, there's the forum. So when you finish an exercise, you, to get to the next one, you have to write your reflection. So the reflection oh, like is when... That. When you do the exercises out in the world mm -hmm. with people that matter to you, mm -hmm. with projects that matter to you, so you face the social and emotional challenges mm -hmm. that leaders have to face in order to develop the skills that you need to lead, mm -hmm. that reading and writing papers and you know, doing uh, case studies doesn't, doesn't develop you socially and emotionally. That's what happens away from the book, away from the computer. But the reflection is when you internalize it and you generalize it. And so that, pedagogically speaking, that's like a very important thing to reflect. Right. When you hit submit it gives you access to all the reflections that everyone who did the course before did oh that's awesome so you can see every no two people do the exercise the same so mm -hmm. you see oh i see how that person did it i see how that person did it and you also know everyone will see yours afterward so people at first people are like scared of that but then they realize it forces them to think more deeply and to write themselves more clearly right. and that gets them to process more mm. then a couple of them have videos where you see me doing the exercises with someone so the course is, is more immersive and more, more, um, uh, more social. Mm -hmm. And then the in-person ones, that's like the full one where you can get me in person. Absolutely. Eventually I'll do ones online with a video component where you interact with me. I mean, if people want to do that, I can set it up faster if I see demand for it. Right. But right now it's, it's the book is, I've been marketing the book so much. Right, and Leadership Step-by-Step, Step, Become the Person Others Follow by you, Joshua Spodek. Uh -huh. Where can people find this book at? So, I mean, online, it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, the usual places. Right. If you're in New York City, mm -hmm. I stop by the, I, I live not far from Union Square, so I go to the Union Square, Barnes & Noble, and I sign the copies there. So there's like signed ones. Oh, that's awesome. And if they find me, then I, you know, I'll personalize it and say to so-and-so. If you just happen to be in there, are there specific days that you're there? Or? Oh, I, I mean, when I'm there and mm -hmm. they've sold a few, then and they get new ones, I go and sign the new ones. And there's a little sticker that says like signed copy by the author. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, and so I know the people there. And they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's kind of cool. I have to say that when the book went on sale, when I signed the contract, uh, when I first saw the, when I got the first copies, mm -hmm. that was all cool. When I first saw it on the shelf at the bookstore, that was, I was like in a hurry and I was like, where's the book? I don't see it here. I don't see it. I turned the corner and I saw it and I was like, wow, it's like, my book. And like other big books are there. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm next to the big ones. You're among your peers. Yeah, You're exactly. among your peers. Yeah. Okay. And you've written two other books. Um, Number one, uh, remodel, create mental models to improve your life and lead simply and effectively. Uh -huh. And then also understanding North Korea, demystifying the world's most misunderstood country. Yeah. 
you've had the opportunity. I haven't. I actually don't know anyone else who has been to North Korea, and you've been there multiple times. And you've also had the opportunity to speak, uh, to present, and lecture on North Korea in different countries. How has that experience been, and how did you manage to keep going back and you know have that relationship with North Korea to, to keep so going? To go to North Korea, I didn't figure it out. Jordan and his friend Joseph, now my friend too, right, they right. figured it out. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's very easy. If you get to Beijing, mm-hmm. then there's a flight that goes into uh, Pyongyang. And you, here's the deal. North Korea needs money. And they, if you go, they get your money. If you don't, you don't. They don't. So they're happy mm-hmm. to take your money. And you can only go where they take you. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get to move around. Yeah. And so um, I think I gave them, it was like 1,000, maybe 1,500 euros for a week and a half, two weeks. Okay. And that flies you in. It takes care of everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, you go from one place to the next and they give you the story about it's the whole North Korea story. They have all these giant monuments because that's how authoritarian governments do things. You know, they have giant monuments. Right. And the story is, you know, the U.S. invaded and caused uh, the Korean War and Japan's terrible and the U.S. is terrible and the dear leader's awesome. And, you know, I think everyone, I mean, everyone, all, the, all of us know we're not seeing the life of North Korea. We're seeing the facade that they show us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know to what extent they think that we believe it. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it is a place that is unlike any other in the world. Mm-hmm. And the people there, nonetheless, they have the same genes as we do. I mean, the, the differences in skin color and stuff, that's just superficial. Right. And so you see people in a totally different environment. And that, te- to me, the difference between, if I, I can see the difference between the environment. So when I see the difference between the behavior, it tells me something about myself. Mm. And that's what I think was the most valuable. That and also hanging out with really cool people in a, in a crazy place and, you know, we brought lots of tobacco and alcohol to make sure that we got access and fair treatment. If you know, you know, like uh, Joseph was, a, he's a phenomenal photographer. And okay. we, I, I remember hearing other groups like they don't like photography. So Joseph has these like massive uh, camera lenses mm-hmm. and everyone else, most groups, if you have a big camera, they're like, put that away. You can't, you can only use small lenses. Right. And Joseph has this like massive lens. He's getting like really amazing shots and other people are like, complaining because we were awesome. Cause we were, we were being really cool with our with our the guides, the people who the guide the the people who show you around. Mm. Interesting. Oh, so yeah, when I was there, mm-hmm. it was I didn't know that much about North Korea before, mm-hmm. and it you know all the articles they always present uh, they always say like the the leader is consolidating his power and so forth, and they treat it as if there's some top guy who's got all the power and he's running the show. Right. And it seems to me that I don't see these guys as like. Like, I don't see them as, like, really super genius dictators. And it seemed to me more of a system. And I studied a lot of... I, I like systems thinking, systems approaches right. to things. Mm-hmm. And so the first book was my looking at the, at, at the North Korea situation from a systems perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that way gives a much more... Uh, it gives you a better understanding of, of the place than the usual treatment in the, in the, in the media. And so mm-hmm. I put... And then um, Kim, Kim Jong-il died after I'd written a series of posts... So I put them together and made the book. I put it out just after he died. Wow. And Timely. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he died for better or for worse. I mean, people don't like him. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, and then I'd be at places and people would be talking about it that were connected to research organizations. Mm-hmm. And that led to talks. I didn't like seek them out. Right. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, right, the right time sometimes and would give a talk on North Korean strategy. Right. But it's kind of the end result is it's very stable and there's not much anyone can do. Mm-hmm. And that's, and the, as, as a result, and, and that, that's what's happening. It's like, no one can do anything. They're, de- they're testing all these nukes right now. 
no one can do anything about it because of this. It's such a stable system. Wow. Speaking of stable systems, Josh, you have uh, you have a stable system in place where you're writing books, you're running Spodic Academy, you've done sub- submersive submedia, submedia. You've done these different companies. What are some of the top resources that you use in order to also keep you know keep everything in line to make sure that you're a great professor at NYU? What are some of the resources that you use? I mean, the the daily habits is a big one. This okay. is this is by far the biggest thing. My day to day stuff is tough to keep track of because I'm not really sure what. You know, lots of different things. Mm-hmm. In my head, it's always one thing. Right. I have a style of teaching that I brought from other fields that I applied to leadership that from the results that I see my students get, it's very effective. It's leadership and entrepreneurship. Also, I teach classes in sales and uh, mm-hmm. sometimes negotiation. And it's about developing empathy and compassion and listening and taking responsibility and taking um, initiative and being able to make people feel comfortable sharing of themselves and empathy. And... As, as contrasted from traditional educational. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing is applying that style of teaching to these fields, and that's it. That's what I'm doing. So the book is one way I'm doing it. The courses online are one way I'm doing it. The courses in person is one way that I'm doing it. But everything I'm doing is that. And now I'm, I'm getting, now that the book is out, I'm getting interested in keynotes and things like that. So I'll go the corporate stuff too. Yeah. It's all one thing. Mm-hmm. It looks made from another perspective, it may look different. Mm-hmm. But you know, when, I'm, when the book just came out, it's a lot of interviews. It's a lot of you know, putting stuff out there. Right. Right now, I'm working a lot on my keynotes, so mm-hmm. that's you know that's working on speeches and practicing, giving you know outlines and forming like that's writing scripts and stuff that's like that. What I do for a living, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> and and so that's it's one thing, but many different facets. Yeah, and how I keep it all together is every morning, you know, you know, like every it seems as far as I know, every great successful leader has. Uh, like their daily habits absolutely so i think mine are not just daily habits but they're like challenging and so ways of life so i wake up mm-hmm. right uh, last semester uh one of my students her, she was going to pick up a habit and she said to me uh um she her habit was she, she took a long time to wake up in the morning i took a long time to wake up in the morning i was telling her it's not that hard mm-hmm. in the back of my head i was like who are you say that like you take half an hour to get out of bed in the morning so i just decided i'm going to get up within one minute. So I put my alarm away from my bed, and mm-hmm. so my alarm goes off every morning, and my, it's my job is to turn it off before, when it still says 6.15, that's when I get up. Right. So that was really hard in the winter. And, uh, I could only imagine. So I get up, and then, I mean, it's the same thing. Turn that off, quick scan of the emails on the phone, but without actually just looking at the subjects. Mm-hmm. Then I go, I open my shades, uh, go to the bathroom, come back out, do the burpee routine. So burpees is burpees plus stretching plus abs plus back plus uh, biceps plus more stretch. And that's it's 10 minutes from beginning to end. And it's like it's it's like like everything leads to the next thing. Right. So then after that, I water the plants. Then I make my cereal, which is oats, chia seeds, nuts, fruit. So over the winter, the fruit is just apples and pears. But in the summer, it's like then it's peaches and all the you know, whatever's in season. Right. Actually, I, I just started getting uh, papaya now. Uh, this fruit and vegetable stuff, you start picking up on the seasons more. Mm-hmm. Then I sit down, and that's when I read like kind of my passive indulging reading, like Reddit and stuff like that. And then that's the same every day. And then begins the difference, like what I'm going to do that day different than other days. When I go to sleep, I set my alarm for 10 o'clock, and around then is when I do my second set of burpees and that routine, slightly different routine. Mm-hmm. And then it's the same of like the brushing teeth and stuff to get ready to go to bed, and then I go to bed. So there's these bookends that are challenging. Like I'm, I, after the 
27 burpees, I can't talk. You know, it's like I'm really breathing heavy. Right, right. So it's, it's, it, it, when you do the same thing every day, mm-hmm. you, one, your muscles develop, your heart and lungs. My resting heart rate's really low. That's really, like, I like that. Yeah. Uh, but your self-awareness starts shooting up. Right. Because you notice these little differences in your form and stuff like that. So that is what, that, not having daily habits mm-hmm. is, to me, it's like you're building in sand. Mm. Having daily habits is like building on solid ground. It's like having a platform to build on. Right. Having a s- self-imposed daily challenging healthy activity. So make them challenging. Mm-hmm. That to me is like bedrock. You, can, you can't build the Empire State Building on sand. Right. You need bedrock. And that's what that, these challenging habits mm-hmm. are the bedrock. So you're asking me about, about cold showers. Mm-hmm. That to me is like tree. The forest is the solid foundation that I, as long as I do those things, I can waste the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But I always know that was a productive day. I did. I, I'm healthy. I mean, look, the three things that I think are the most fundamental, that if you don't have these, these three things, it's really tough to get ahead in life. That's healthy, healthy food, a healthy diet, vigorous exercise, and whatever amount of sleep is the right amount for your body. Different people, different amounts, but, mm-hmm. you know, the right amount. If you don't have those, mm-hmm. the rest is like, it's like, you're not on solid ground. If you have those, mm-hmm. you have solid. You have a solid foundation to do everything else. Okay. And one of the other things that I know that you use is mind mapping software. Oh yeah. What mind mapping software do you use, and how beneficial is it? How has it been helping you? And how long have you been using it? The first time I did it was um, when I the first drafts of my book years and years ago. I had friends look at them and they said they said lots of things, but the big thing was that the most important stuff was at the end, and the least important stuff was at the beginning. Because I was kind of thinking, like, in a, when you teach a course, mm-hmm. you put the important stuff at the end because that's what the students remember. Right. In a book, if you put the important stuff at the end, no one will get to it. Right. Very so true. So I realized I had to turn the outline back, you know, go backward. Mm-hmm. And so I'd had my mind mapping software before, but this was the first. I, I didn't really have a reason to use it. I would just kind of understand what the function was, mm-hmm. what the functionality was. And so in doing, I put the the outline of the book and then started moving things around using the software. And I was like, this is great. Cause I used to, to make an, before I'd make a big document, I'd have two, two steps. I'd write down all the ideas mm-hmm. unordered in just some list, not on a list, just on a piece of paper, just scattered around. Right. And the next thing was I'd put it in, in, in order. But a lot of times putting it in order, I, there's a lot of erasing and moving stuff around. Right. Right. Mind mapping software lets me do that, both, both of those in one step, mm-hmm. but there's no erasing because you can just move stuff around. You can just move it around. What, what mind mapping software do you use? The one I use is called Freeplane, F-R-E-E-P-L-A-N-E, and it's you know, free software, so it's available on every platform. It doesn't cost anything, and you, know, you can redistribute it. And, mm-hmm. and um, I don't even use a lot of the, I, I like to use just the basic functionality. Yeah. And i got to say, it's that step at the beginning of organization and putting it together mm-hmm. is... It's fun. It's what I was doing on the subway right up here. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm working on, um, there's a, a video I have to make and some slides attached to it. And so I'm, I'm writing the script. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a joy. I, I just really enjoy playing with ideas and moving them around. You know, I, I often say that for me, I hope other people feel this way. Like ideas to me are like Lego. I, you know, you, I like to take them apart, put them together in different ways and see how they fit Absolutely. and see what happens. And the mind mapping software like lets me visually do it, and it's it's easy. You know, even a whiteboard or a blackboard, mm-hmm. when you you can erase easily and move stuff around, but not like 
drag it over. Right. No, and just the labor of that, remembering that you wrote it the exact same way and all of that stuff. I, I get you. I get you. And I, I'm actually going to I'm going to look at uh, free playing. I might be on it this week. You I know, recommend it. Coming yeah. up. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, Josh, please tell us, uh, you know, the title of the book, where we can get it at and uh, how we can stay in contact with you. Sure. So it's Leadership Step-by-Step, Step, Become the Person Others Follow. And it's, uh, it's available in the usual places. I mean, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the city, again, Barnes & Noble, you can get the signed Union copies. Square, yep. And if you find me and, you know, come to me, I'll, like, sign in, you know, for people who live in New York City. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my blog, where it's my views of the world, that's joshuaspodek.com. I post every day. Yep. And then my courses are available online at spodekacademy.com. So S-P-O-D-E-K academy.com. And there's webinars so you can get a lot more background and of what the course is about before you sign up. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, I'm, I'm at Spodek. Uh, and then if you want to find out stuff about me, if you just look up Spodek, there's not many of us. <laughs> so you can find lots of articles and things like but that. But you have two sisters. I have two sisters. That's right. my dad. Spodek.com is my uncle's insurance company in Pittsburgh. Nice. <laughs> so that's slightly different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and those are the main places to find me. Okay. Well, Josh, man, thank you so much for uh, being here on the show. Really appreciate you. Beautiful people. If you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 530 to 630 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. 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 You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life.